We're rolling. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 87 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast, presented by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code JJD20 at manscaped.com. Don't forget to like, comment, click that subscribe button. Yes. We'd really appreciate the support. Yes. Tell them, Bo. We're hungry. (laughs) This is how we're making making our living now, so... Uh, you know, the more follows that uh, that we can get, the more subscriptions. Obviously, um, you know, if you like the show, follow, subscribe. You'll get a little reminder every time we your launch. Your love so. <laughs> taking me higher. You see, it's your love. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Milton Campus. I'm a brown belt training out of South Florida. Bo behind the camera. Hello. Miguel's on vacation. Where's he on vacation? <laughs> I don't know. Where did he go? I, I I don't remember. I. He did tell me, but I don't. Went, I don't know where he's he going. Went halibut fishing in Alaska. I have no clue. <laughs> to be honest. Sorry. We love you, Miguel. We uh-huh. miss you. Shout out to our booking manager, Britt Tavar. And joining us shortly, this is a good one, is Team USA wrestler Judoka and mixed martial artist Victoria Vortex Anthony. All right. So stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> You got a picture Vortex, like Storm from uh, yeah. from X Men, right? With a little Tasmanian devil in there, <laughs> you know, with his spinning. All right, the Jiu Jitsu Dummies podcast is also brought to you by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need to build your business, it's website design, Google Ads, graphic design, we can help. Check us out at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram. There's a sticker on your computer, oh, yeah, right, there. right Boom. there. Boom. Um. <laughs> so again, uh, at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram or our website is bbdigitalmarketing.com. And uh, if you're a business owner, you can go there right on the home page and you can request a free online review of your entire online presence. It's a really interesting report uh, and it's free. And shout out to NutraZone. No matter if your aches and pains are coming from lifting weights at the gym or rolling on the mats, uh, or like me, the daily grind of life, you know, sitting at a computer all day hunched over, NutraZone has a product for you. Find your neutral zone by finding the best products in their product mix, right? We've got bombs, we've got tinctures, roll-ons. Find the right products for your pain wellness so you can continue your active lifestyle. I think it's really important. It's absolutely part of my uh, recovery. So check them out at neutralzone.com. Get 25% off with code JJD. And you can check them out on Instagram at myneutralzone. And we've got something really cool coming. Uh, we've got a launch of a new product by August 1st. Okay. Nice. And, uh, thank you to our friends over at Flow and Roll. Sean, we love you. Hands down the best custom gi and no gi gear in the business. Don't believe us. Visit them on Instagram at flow underscore N underscore roll and check out all of their custom designs. They're working with academies across the country. The stuff is amazing. Uh, they even have a special running right now where you buy like 25 gis, get free patches. I think he's even got it like 25, 50, a hundred, um, Obviously, the more you buy, the more patches you'll get. Reach out to them for details, though. He'll talk to you about it. You can find our podcast. He's on their website as well. Uh, go to their teams page. You'll see Jiu-Jitsu Dummies along with all the other uh, teams and academies across the country that are working with them because they do a really cool pre-order program. So ask them about that as well. You'll be able to get you know a full, uh, let's call it a full suite of, of gear, no gi, rash guards, uh, your your you know your geese belts things like that you'll be able to get everything you need he'll put them on a pre-order on his website and you have very little cash outlay to worry about so it's a great way to help gyms get the gear that they need 
All right. Thank you to the BJJ Box. We appreciate all your support as well. They are Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box. It's delivered to your door filled with premium Jiu-Jitsu, grappling, apparel, equipment. Um, I should say Jiu-Jitsu and apparel and grappling, apparel, equipment, <laughs> supplements, supplies, <laughs> snacks, and more. Not always easy to be on this side of the mic, Bo. They find the best products in the world of Jiu-Jitsu and guarantee that every box will be worth more than its cost. All right? So each box includes between four and seven items that you're going to love. Use coupon code JJD10 for $10 off your first order. All right? And they've got some cool stuff coming as well. There's a box uh, in front of you. Yep, right here. <laughs> so now we have a giveaway that we're doing, a $250 giveaway. Send us your receipt. Send us a copy of any receipt from uh, purchases that you've made with any of our sponsors, any of the ones that we just listed that where you're using a coupon code, right? You'll send us a receipt. Just send us a copy. You can redact, you know, make sure you're not sending us any credit card information from a receipt anyway, but you can send us your copy of your receipt and we'll put you into the raffle for, uh, again, up to $200 worth of jujitsu swag. We're going to get you our new rash guard. We're going to put some other goodies in there from the podcast, probably t-shirts, mugs, uh, and maybe even some goodies from our sponsors. All righty. So um, you can send that to us on our Instagram at jujitsu dummies. Or you can email us at info at jujitsudummies.com. All right, we're all set. Cool, yeah. All right, let's yeah. get Victoria in here. Let's do this. Hello, Victoria. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for doing this. I, I know uh, you're probably very busy, uh, but, uh, you know, we definitely, you know, we wanted to have you on where, you know, obviously, you know, you hear the Jujitsu Dummies podcast, but we're huge MMA fans. I know that uh, you've made a, a little, you put your foot into the into the ring or stepped into that yeah. realm of, of martial arts now. Uh, tell a little, tell us a little bit about how you got started in, in MMA and, you know, we're, we're going to go back and forth, but tell us a little bit about the MMA side of things right now. Yeah. So I just started, I mean, started properly training MMA right after the Olympic trials in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I was the alternate for the team. So since I lost, I was like, I think I'm good on wrestling. For, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's always been in the back of my mind. I grew up doing judo um, in California. And so I got to, and I like did judo with Rhonda and got to really just watch her, you know, her career and the entire sport of women's MMA explode um, from like a pretty close distance. So I was like, I always had it like in my head, like, okay, maybe I'll do this. Uh, and then I was like, no, maybe I won't because this looks crazy. And yeah, and then just went from there. I was like, okay, let's get it going. So you mentioned Rhonda. You're talking about Rhonda Rousey, right? You guys, uh, you're. I think you're pretty close in age and probably trained judo around the same time. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. She's a little bit older than me, but I started judo at six years old and from six to 14. And judo's small in all of the United States, but in California, you basically, like, my parents would drop me off at her house and then her mom would take us up to Northern California, stuff like that, to, to just get better training. So, yeah. Did you, do you still keep in touch with her? Or is it somebody that you're... That you're in contact with at all? Like not not close, not at all. Like we yeah. follow each other, and uh, yeah. but like her mom invited us out to for when she was still fighting one of her like family um, get-togethers before the fights and stuff. So, so like not that close, but kind of close. <laughs> so now you mentioned judo. When did you start judo? At, at what age? Six. That was and, your first martial art. Yeah, that was my first martial art and my first love. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, my dad was doing it, and he'd done a bunch of martial arts when I was young, and uh, he just happened to be do doing judo at that when I was six. And 
<laughs> I would have to go watch the workouts and like all the kids would run around on the stage and the mats were to the side. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be here every day, I want to do this. And I think I was too young at the time, but I would just bother the senseis and like tug on their keys, according to my mom, and then bother my mom until my mom bothered my dad to like finally let me just practice. Yeah. So that's how that got going. So did, was he someone that, that continued on in his martial arts journey? Did he? No, oh. I feel like he kind of, um, his dedication was to like his kids, my yeah. and my two sisters, you know? And so once I, I got crazy about judo, like from the beginning. And so he just really helped me accomplish my goals. I don't yeah. know that he ever had high aims. He's he's done a, a bunch of different martial arts, like Esprima and other stuff, um, and competed here and there. Yeah. Was he all for you getting on the mat, or was he just like, no, well, why don't you wait a little longer, or when you're older? I honestly don't remember, because I don't remember. I can barely yeah. remember last week, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But um, for sure, like, he was so supportive. Both my parents so supportive all through everything. Yeah. yeah I'm so grateful to my dad, because, like, really, I have him and my those early senseis to think, and they, they end up giving me my black belt recently. Yeah. So really like, yeah, I, I have a lot of gratitude for them. Were you, were you competing in judo at that, at, at those early days? Yes. Yeah. I started competing. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember what age we started competing, but I started competing pretty much right away. And then my first aim was to make the Olympic team for judo. And so I went for that, went towards that route and then end up going towards wrestling. What changed for you? What, what was the, you know, what, what, what was it? What was the desire? What sparked the desire to just go over to the wrestling side? Yeah. Yeah. So I broke my wrist in judo and I, um, I was at judo nationals when I was 14. So it was, it ended up being really good timing. Cause I was about to go into high school and I was throwing a girl and my hand slipped off her key and I posted and I, and I stood up, like I, I didn't realize and I stood up and I was ready to keep fighting. And then my key slipped down and I was like, damn, that's weird. My hand is like two inches north of my wrist so so that switched me directions i ended up getting surgery on my wrist and both my knees and then from there i was going into high school and my parents were like you got to do something like you're, you've been sitting around pretty much for a year and uh and they suggested i wrestle and i was like hell no that's a ridiculous idea to join the boys wrestling team um and I just felt like it was social suicide like i would have been <laughs> in school and then i was not gonna fit on a boys wrestling team and then I, I saw a demonstration. My eventual high school coach was trying to recruit kids from PE. And I ended up like joining the demonstration. And then I was like, okay, I'll do this thing. Make, yeah. Literally because it was going to get me out of PE. <laughs> yeah. Was it, I, I hear a lot of times when, uh, when we've had women competitors on that it was a little bit of a fight, especially if they did some wrestling. It was a little bit of a fight in the beginning to even get on the teams. Did, was it, did they welcome with open arms or, or was it a fight? Was it a, a you know, a the lot of effort? The only I had was with, one, there were two girls already on the team and I was like, oh, that's okay. good. One of the girls started blowing me off the team and she was like, you're a slut, like you're here for the boys, blah, blah, blah. And I, she like pushed me up against a locker and I literally, I don't think I even kissed a boy at that time. So I was like, <laughs> saying it, what the hell? Wow. Uh, it obviously didn't deter you. No, yeah. I mean, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> I was afraid of her. But uh, yeah, then it so the boys were all accepting. So when you competed with, like, the schools competed with other schools, could you only at that time were you only competing if there was a girl, or would they put you up against boys? No, no, yeah, I was, I was wrestling almost exclusively boys. Oh, okay. Um, I off my freshman year, and then I was the 103 varsity from um, sophomore, junior, senior year. Okay. And there were girls tournaments in California, and I would participate in those as well. Okay. But like my 
my senior year, I forewent um, girls' state to, to compete in a boys' tournament. So. Yeah. I think I've also heard you mess- message, uh, excuse me, uh, mention Kendall Rusing, who's yeah. been on the show, and, and she's yeah. out there. I think uh, she was, uh, you mentioned her, I think, in, a, in an interview after ADCC, I think, that I saw. Yeah, right. Kendall and I are really, really close, and we've like oh, really? gotten much closer in the past like year. Yeah, and uh, I was actually her camp counselor at like this some women's wrestling camp. <laughs> I didn't even remember that or know that, and she sent me a picture. I was like, "What?" Wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Small world. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't know her coming up, you or she didn't know you. You, that's no, we did. We knew each other. Like okay. we, she was on. She was a cadet when I must have been a junior. So cadet age group is like fifteen and younger, and then juniors up from there. So we would be in at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs at the yeah. same time. And she said, like, I was always nice to her. And I don't, like I said, at all, <laughs> stuff happens so quickly in my life. I'm like, I don't even remember. But she, she said it, she like always appreciated my presence. So I, yeah, I we had, we've had her on the show. And since we've had her on the show, she's just made this amazing kind of leap into the commentating side of things. <laughs> I, when I, if I'm watching an IBJJF or watching a tournament and I hear her, like, I stay, I'll, I'll, instead of like flipping through or changing it or I'm staying there because I think that she has incredible, incredible insight on, the, on yeah. the matches. I mean, she's just like, she can do like the color commentating and she could just do the play by play. It's amazing. I think she's incredible. Yeah. Agreed. I, she's someone I really align with because she takes her personal development just as serious as her jujitsu development and like, and her business development. And so we've like really connected over, honestly, like the, developing ourselves as people more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. I know she, she's still doing, I think she kind of, uh, I think she'll mentor, uh, you like, you can reach out to her and like, she'll yeah. mentor young competitors. Yeah. She's so cool. Right? She's so cool. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. She developed that on her own. And, um, yeah, she's still doing that. I know it's a lot of work for her Yeah. in addition to all the other stuff she's doing, like commentating and competing and being a gangster. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been, I've been thinking about it and I told our booking manager, uh, Britt, who, who reached out to you, um, you know, I told, I'm like, we, I would love to go back to some of our earlier guests when we were just kind of, you know, getting the pod, like we were, it's, we're three years in now, but in the beginning, you know, we were, you know, kind of stumbling along a little bit and we didn't get it as much. And, you know, we were learning on the job, but I mean, she's been on in, in just the last couple of years. So I'd love to have her on again. If we're, yeah, if yeah. we're not, if, if she's not too big for us yet, you know, <laughs> oh, she's the shit. She's like, I bet she's a completely different person too, from two years ago. I would love yeah. to watch, watch her again. Yeah. Um, Cause like I, I know like every day it's, it's effort to become the best yeah. version of herself. Yeah. Uh, I love Kendall so, so much. So you, you, talk, you talked about personal development, and and before we get into that, you also mentioned like the business side. Like you, you, um, you know, you, you're looking up to her uh, in a sense, right? Because of the business yeah, side yeah, of yeah. things. Yeah. So I understand you started a business during COVID, correct? I did. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that, and, and how's it going? It's uh, it's not really going anymore. So so I, I knew that I always wanted to just like make my own money and, and be mm-hmm. self-sufficient. Um, it doesn't really work for me to work for people and like be enclosed in a structure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. <laughs> uh, so when COVID happened, I was like, okay, Victoria, like this is what you intend for your life. This is your vision for your life. When's it going to happen or how's it going to happen? So I started looking into business ideas and I end up, um, starting an online resistance band business because everybody needed resistance bands during COVID, including myself. Mm-hmm. You couldn't work out anywhere. Right. So it turned in, I'm really, really grateful for this experience. But I like, I built the website myself. I um, imported the bands myself. I end up with like an apartment full of different quality bands, trying to get the best quality bands 
like up all night because COVID didn't matter. So I was up like till 5 a.m. talking to Chinese sellers <laughs> and, uh, and like really got to understand that side of things. And and then right like is good. But right when I had launched and uh, did my first month month of sales, which went really well, we were allowed to practice again, which it went from like, you're not going to be able to practice for months to like, you can touch each other tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, all right, well, forget this entire thing. I tried to maintain it for like a little bit. And then I was like, no, this is the Olympic trials are coming however soon. So, um, yeah, pretty much just put it down, but I still, yeah. fans are still for sale and all that. I'm not you know, every, every business, everything that you do is a learning experience. If, if you, yeah. if you're able to take something away from it, it was a success, you know? And maybe it prepares you for the next one. I, I, I own a marketing company, so like I'm having conversations with people that have new ideas every every single day. You know, it's either help me with my existing business or I have an idea. So I'm having these conversations all the time. And I've I've you know started and stopped businesses myself as well. But um, this has been the one thing. It's funny because at oh, close to fifty, I found my passion. You know, and and not only training jujitsu, but you know talking about it. You know, so yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. got me through start? the days that I, when I was, when I was injured, you know, the times that I've been injured, yeah. blew out my knee, COVID, you know, that I'm able, I was always able to, we were considered a news outlet, so we didn't have to stop. You're, we were, mm. you know, podcasts are a part of the, of follow the, the, the rules of the news when it came to COVID and they weren't going to stop the news. So we were still allowed to record and we, you know, we could have people in studio and things like that without having That's any problems. So yeah. That was one of the coolest things for me during COVID. It was just watching like the ebb and flow of what became really relevant and what was no longer relevant. And podcasts are like a perfect thing to continue. That's it. When did you guys start this? May, uh, we can, the idea was conceived. I came up with the crazy idea, uh, in March of 2019. Okay. I actually just had to write out this timeline because we're we're, we're talking to a news outlet, but um, we're getting introduced to a news outlet, I should say. Hopefully, keep our fingers crossed. So uh, I had to write out the timeline. So it was March 2019, and I remember I took my wife out to dinner. It wasn't I, I wasn't because of the podcast, but we went out to dinner, and I told her, I said I have this crazy idea. I know this sounds crazy. I started with that, so we got that out of the way. You know, uh-huh. it's like she's gonna look at me like I'm crazy. I said, I've got this crazy idea. I know it's crazy, but I can't stop thinking about it. Every time I go out with the guys, we're talking about, you know, jujitsu and we're hearing stories from black belts on like the crazy crap that's happened down here in South Florida. And I said, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. And she's like, oh my God, there's a guy that, that does a podcast in my office. You, you could use the conference room. Oh, and I, I was like, I was just like, that's the first time she's ever agreed with anything that quickly. Uh, yeah, so you're yeah. into it. Yeah, so she was, I was like, oh, she, okay, all right, good. So as soon as, by the end of that dinner, it, it was, we were doing it. It was going to happen. So we started out with, originally I was going to call it Jiu-Jitsu Idiots. Uh-huh. Uh, I wanted to emphasize that we're not like these experts on all things Jiu-Jitsu, but mm. we wanted to learn and we want to absorb and we want to have people on to talk about martial arts and Jiu-Jitsu. And then we landed with, with the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies. But uh, she was, uh, in the beginning, I think she thought it was just going to be like a hobby or something on the side. And yeah, I think you know, I think I think idiots was a little strong. Yeah, idiots was a little strong. strong. Yeah, idiots was a little strong. Um, you have a different listener base. <laughs> yeah, and then so long story short, she you know now she's you know it's it's a business. It's part of the business, and uh, we've been lucky that some of our sponsors have become clients of the marketing company, and the marketing company clients have become sponsors of the show. So I never considered that crossover 
when I opened up the marketing company, which that was kind of my background. And I left the company that I worked for for six years to, to open up my own company to spend more time on the podcast. So lo and behold, you know, there's all this crossover. So it worked out. So again, finding my passion, uh, you know, of jujitsu in my early forties and then this like in my mid forties, you know, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been fun, but you know, everything that I've done up to now, six, whether I've succeeded or failed has helped me with this. So that's why I say to you, like, even though you had something that came and went, now you've got Chinese manufacturers. Now you've, you know, you know about websites and hosting and domains. And, you know, you have all this other knowledge now that you're just going to take into the next thing. You know, your story is a really good one for the people like around my age or or 20s and feeling like you need to know everything. And you don't like it might just not be time yet. You know, that's good to hear. You know, I still, I tell everybody this all the time. I still feel like when I look at myself in the mirror, I say, I still see the 19 year old punk. Like I know, like I still think like inside of my head, I think I'm 19 still, or at least in my oh. early twenties. It's in, it, until after I get home from jujitsu and I'm just like, everything hurts, you know? But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like my mindset is like, I am still this young kid that could, you know, start businesses and take these chances and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes I was just telling, but we, we were just talking about business and COVID and comedians that really took off during COVID because of social yeah. media, right? All that, that crazy. Like there's so many people that we all know now. Don't look but, over your yeah. shoulder because, because uh, the Reaper is right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, right I, I, but there, I'm 50, man. but I got to remind myself, we were talking about other things that we could be doing. Oh, and I'm just like, I was like, I was thinking the Reaper was a comedian. The Grim Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I like I love the fact that we're able to focus on this and and you know Bo was talking about promo material. We were talking about other things, and I'm like I don't have the bandwidth to even start to think about those things anymore. We have a, a promotional site up for us, but um, we don't push it really hard because there's, we've got to figure out where we're gonna you know, where our time is best spent. So you know. That's but, a good one too. You know, That's me too. <laughs> so let's get it. Let's get into the, the, you know, talk a little bit more about wrestling. You know, Team USA. Tell us about your journey into wrestling and where it's taken you and the Olympic trials. And, you know, just walk us through. Yeah. So I started when I was 14 on my high school boys team. And uh, it, school got out and it was like, okay, what do we do now? We, my family doesn't know anything about wrestling. Um, we find out, okay, there's freestyle and there's freestyle tournaments during the summer. Okay. So we end up going to um, a club called SoCal wrestling club with the Cadwalders shout out to the Cadwalder family like they're I'm so grateful for them because they they really helped develop me um on the freestyle side and provide a really good wrestling room where a lot of guys from all over the place and girls would come um to congregate there and you know get good, good training and so and then Fargo I don't know if you guys are aware of Fargo it's a big um national tournament that happens for all age groups pretty well I guess like 14 to 18 high school um and yeah so we <laughs> We, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Fargo. This Fargo thing, it's in Fargo, North Dakota, my least favorite place. On the <laughs> and it's all it's a week long. What's that? Yeah, from California. Yeah, I know. I got it. I got it easy over here. But it's a week long tournament, and I make it to the finals. And this is like one of my first freestyle tournaments ever. And uh, I, I I make it to the finals, but I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I get taken. I'm gonna take out beat by this girl, and there's like not so much time left. So I stand up and I get suplexed in the national finals. But oh, wow. I just literally didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I got to get up, I think, and just try to keep wrestling. So that's always, that's what I do remember. And that's a, uh, it's just a funny, I feel like that's how my, all of my 
career development has been. Like, I just <laughs> Getting suplexed. Yeah, like, yeah, just chuck myself into it and then, like, see what happens. Uh, and then from there, I, the following year, I made my first junior world team. So, which at the time, there was only junior worlds and senior worlds. So, junior worlds is really prestigious. Um, now there's, like, cadet worlds, junior, U23, and seniors. It's a little different. Um, and, yeah, I made four straight teams and won the junior worlds twice. And that, those are my first exposures to international competition. I started traveling internationally when I was 16. My first tournament was to Sweden. And, uh, yeah, and then it just didn't stop from there, you know. It's just my, my aim, I realized it really, like, it wasn't, it was to win the Olympics, but really it was to do the high, get to the highest level of my capabilities and in this thing. Uh, first, the thing was judo, and then the thing became wrestling. And so I was just doing everything possible to, to reach my, you know, my highest potential. Mm-hmm. And it kind of all finalized in the 2021 Olympic trials. So I, so I ended up taking, uh, I've competed in three Olympic trials. The first one I took third, um, second one I took second, and the third one I also took second. And I was the alternate in Tokyo, and I went to Tokyo. Um, for me, going to Tokyo was really kind of just like a, a final dedication to the sport. I didn't have to go. I got asked to be a training partner for Sarah, the girl that beat me. And, um, you know, I was like, you know what, let me just do this from a complete place of service. And then whether I do or don't continue to wrestle, it's really difficult to say at that point. Um, that'll, I'll have done this and, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that was that. That was pretty much a quick rundown. Oh, and I also, I won, I won some stuff in between there. I was I was, right. uh, you were like a four-time national champion, right? Yeah, yeah. I was the first yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. forgot about that. There's some other things. <laughs> uh, I was the first ever four-time women's collegiate wrestling national champion, um, which is cool. And I've won the Pan American Championships three times, our Continental Championships, and then a bunch of tournaments throughout the years. So now talk to me a little bit about, so you grew up in California. You did go to college in Canada? I did, yeah, right? yeah. Yep. So when I was graduating high school, um, there were only a handful of schools, maybe like 14 or 15, that had women's wrestling. And none of them were places I personally wanted to go for a variety of reasons. Like, I really was focused on education. Um, and second, I wanted to go to a big school, and they were all small schools, like smaller than my high school, most of them. A lot of it was like small Baptist schools. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know about this. So we just were like, okay, what are our other options? My dad helped me and it's like, let's look at Canada. And it ended up being perfect going to Vancouver, like one of my, probably my favorite city in the world. I don't know anywhere else where you can stand on the beach looking at the cityscape, like right here. And then the forest is behind you and the mountains are behind you right wow. there. Like everything you can get to in an hour. It's crazy. It's so beautiful. And uh, it was big school too, like I think like 30,000 kids with a big international population, which I wanted to have just to have like as, as plentiful of a college experience as possible. And um, education-wise, I studied, I ended up studying psychology, but it's, it's known for education. And then lastly, everyone up there had either coached on an Olympic team or been on an Olympic team. So I was like, okay, this is just the right place for me for all those reasons. Hey, you. Yes. Yeah, you. Me? Got Bush. I, what? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Who? Manscaped. Uh-huh. <laughs> Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good. You're going to be showing pride in your all new bush free yard. <laughs> oh my it's God. a fact that you will have the best kept nut sack in the cul de sac. I actually live on the kind of a cul de sac. Nut sack is perfectus. <laughs> <laughs> Save big and be the most 
hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code JJD20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right? Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh Give me the three things that you love most about your Manscaped products. Now, we've gotten a lot of stuff. We've gotten the soaps and the deodorants and the... The sprays uh, and the shavers. What give me give me three of your favorites? They work as they say they should work. They're very well built and designed. Now that's coming from somebody who had the three Now you have the four point yeah. You can see the difference, right? And um, and the batteries last a really long time. Yeah, I'm not charging these all. I use them multiple times before yeah. I charge. No problem. Yeah, full power. Okay. So, so I'm going to give you my three. Now, this is the first Manscaped that I've had. I've used other shavers. You're new. Yeah. Like a so, <laughs> I do love that the um, the guide, the, the guard. I always say yeah. the guard. Um, because you like that guard was guard. the per like was perfect for going around going off road. Yeah. For getting the sack, because. With the regular, the other razors that I used, you used to have to like, you're gonna get nicked. No, you're you're gonna, gonna get like the electric one that I was <laughs> not using. Recommended. You have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like you always had to like be really, it's really like, super careful, not touch. You don't put. A you could just use the guard. It's like you know, people know the guard. Like when they get, you know, they go to the barber. Yeah. You're just able to get all down there without having to worry about like, oh, my skin's gonna get caught. Or not, you know, I that was that was my favorite part. Number two was the light, the yes. little light yes. on the 4.0. Because you're getting down there. It's you know, not. You know. I, it's the one thing I'm not like, you know, it's a, it's good. It's useful. It could be a little wider beam because it kind of focuses down and then you just see like a couple of hairs and it gets really confusing. Well, you're not doing like it in what, the dark, are you? <laughs> not I totally. mean, the, the room is already lit, but good. I mean, it's, it's absolutely helpful. It does. You know? It does. If it was a little bit wider beam, you know what I mean? A little more spread, it would actually be okay. really good. Just as a suggestion. And then the weed whacker. Weed of all great. the stuff that we've gotten, I should say, yeah, if oh, I could so go, you, okay, the weed you. whacker because of the, the nose yeah, hairs, yeah, yeah, yeah. I use it. Every See, couple it's of hard days. to narrow down three things, man. Because well, you so know, I was going to say shit about this. this I, is, I I read a sales book that they would give really you nailed it. I read this sales book way back in the day, and the, it was a, a series of books, and it was always uh, the top ten point five. It's like the five, the point five yeah, was like yeah, this yeah. extra one. Yeah. My extra is the boxers. Is like those the, boxers, those boxers are super super comfortable. And like I'm wearing them to the gym, I'm wearing them to work out, I'm wearing them under my gi at jujitsu, and like it holds up. It's you know it's it's got yeah, yeah. you know that uh, it's, it's I forget incredible. what it what is it like kind of that spandex material right like mm-hmm. so it's a good boxer and it's got that stretchiness to it like you know you can so move in them and they're not that's my point five not, that's my three point five favorite things about you, manscaped. I mean you could go like thirty different things about yeah it's so cool that they actually <laughs> built a, a lifestyle around. <laughs> The trimmer thing. Did you see who you they know, are? It used to be trimming. It's fucking trim your shit, man. Did but, you see the email I sent you? Uh, I, well, you send me a lot of emails. They you send you an email. <laughs> oh, they're they're the new uh, they're the new uh, face of Manscaped. It, I think. Oh yes, yes, yes. Pete Davidson. Mm, Pete Davidson is uh, is now a uh, a spokesperson for Manscaped. Congrats, Pete. Very cool. <laughs> Good luck to you. We'll be here. Yeah, right. Us. Can we get him in here for an interview? <laughs> yeah, we'll be here if you Can need like, us. Like jujitsu, what? What do you think, you're Rogan? Yeah. <laughs> or, wait, we, we'll be here if we need you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look, that's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com. 
when you use code JJD20, right? It's time you level up from the Amazon <laughs> to the Amadong. <laughs> the Amadong. With the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. I think the Amadong, is that sometimes, I know, I get the dong <laughs> thing. Is that a reference? There was there was a very That's much, a, there's like an Australian I'm... undertone to this, uh, the to, the, to the new oh, stuff I... that they gave us to to, to talk about. That's not a dong. That's an Amadong. I'm like, yeah, is that an Amadong? Is that what, is that from, somebody's got to look that up. Let me know. Or Amadong. All right, so know. again, use code JJD20 for 20% off. And free shipping. And free shipping. Around the right. world. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. <laughs> so now are you able to, so when you we say four-time national champion, that's a four-time U.S. national champion? Yeah, so the Canadian, our school um, was NAIA, like as a school in total. And then at the time, there was no NAIA or NCAA for women. So the WCWA encompassed all of the United States and then our school. <laughs> our oh, school really? actually okay, so you were part, out. so you were you were competing against kids in the US. You weren't yeah, competing nationally in Canada. Exactly. So okay. it was it, it's the same as if I had gone to a US school, I competed against all the same schools. Okay. And I actually won a Canadian national title my first year oh, or wow. second year both. And then they kicked our school out. <laughs> You're out of the Canadian league. They're like, if you guys want to compete with the Americans and do that, uh, which but to get to a bunch of schools, it's way closer to go south than to go east from yeah. where my school is at. So, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to know how, you know, even going back a little bit to the high school side, we, we heard about the girl that, you know, tried to get you to quit. But how was it, you know, in that male-dominated environment, not only high school, now talk about college and even, you know, post-college. Has it, yeah. you, I mean, are you uh, training equally with men and women? Do you just try to train with women? Did it not matter to you? So in high school, pretty much boys and then and then girls get to get mixed in. And then in college, both men and women, but more so women, especially being on the national team. And I was I feel like I was gone half the time that I was in university. Like I was would be China for two weeks in December and then it's just a ton of international trips all year long. Um, and those are all with wrestling with women. Um, for me, I grew up doing judo. Judo, it's both genders and everybody's training with each other and it's like that's completely normal and then getting into wrestling it didn't feel normal anymore <laughs> it's like this it, it was just a different vibe entirely and uh so i i was always comfortable in a room full of men because judo was the same thing it wasn't a big deal but um on the wrestling side i i feel like i feel like i was just uncomfortable like the whole time not were, were you uncomfortable a, because maybe like the boys were also again you're a teenage boy and now right. you're wrestling a girl you know, you got certain things going on physiologically, physiologically, right, right. right? And this, you know, you're going through your changes, you're becoming a man, and now you're wrestling, you know, you're potentially wrestling with a girl. Was it right. more that they felt uncomfortable with you, or did you really, really feel uncomfortable? Like, if he doesn't care, I don't care. I was always like, if he doesn't care, I don't care. They, yeah. There was probably lots of that for boys. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know because I wasn't like chatting with them after yeah. matches, you know. But, <laughs> um, but for me, I think wrestling is just really, really uncomfortable. Like, that's the gift of the sport. You're yeah. constantly put into just furious discomfort yeah. in every practice, in every situational go. You, you know, you're trying to get the absolute, like, every drop out of yourself. So it was that in addition to just not knowing what was going on. I remember, like, the yeah. whole time it felt like um, my freshman year, I, 
had a ringworm growing on the side of my face, but I was too scared to ask anybody what it was. I didn't even know what it was. And I and finally, one day, one of the seniors grabbed my face. He was like, what is that? Like, get out of here. Really? Oh, boy. So it was kind of just like, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but I was just kind of like uncomfortable in my own skin. It didn't really have okay. anything to do with people around me. Kind of did. It kind of didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I actually did ha have that feeling in judo, too. And I think that was like really the the thing that I had to grow through the most through my sports career um, was just feeling like worthy enough to be there and feeling like I can stand in any room and feeling like, you know, I, I'm always allowed where I'm at. I actually don't think it was other people. I think that was just a me thing. And that was just the thing yeah. that I had to overcome within myself. So. Self-realization. Self yeah. 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 And self-confidence really like my, like, all the way through until the, my final Olympic trials, I would say I dealt with just confidence issues, confidence in yeah. matches, confidence in conversations, like all that stuff. Um, and I, I traced it back because I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. Like if I'm, it, it would literally be like I was winning a match and then something inside of me was like, oh my gosh, like in the last minute, like <gasps> we're all these people watching, like get, getting really uncomfortable being on the stage and then throw pretty much throw the match subconsciously. So I, yeah. I had to start really digging, digging, digging deep into that. And I tried, I traced it back. Like when is the first time I felt this feeling? Because it, it was something that would happen across all situations. Like um, the phrase, this, what is the phrase? Uh, everything, same thing. Everything is the same thing. Like it would be, if I was at a party, I'd be like, do I belong here? Or if I was right. in a conversation with someone discussing business or, or anything really, there would be like this moment where I like pulled back and like had that going on in my head. So I traced it back and I was like, honestly, the first experience I can remember of this was in kindergarten with a group of girls. And I, I don't know that I don't think there's much more to it than that, but that was just like my, um, my, like the gift I was given, the, like my own adversity that I had to sort out for myself. And so it, it took breaking myself down to a complete base layer, um, and then rebuilding myself brick by brick. And because of that, I'm really, really thankful for the entirety of, you know, my life and having to deal with that because now I know what I'm made of. Like I'm an, I'm unshakable in yeah. my truth and who I am and how I express myself because I know I put every brick there. I laid every brick, I, I molded each brick um, and I know what's in all of it. So, yeah. So I know, you know, growing up, I was an athlete. I played soccer. I wrestled a little bit in junior high and looking back, you know, like I, I quit almost everything to go to like another sport. I didn't want to do soccer because it was during football and like I wanted to play football and be cool. And I wrestled, but I wasn't great. I was small. I wasn't strong. Oh, I'll, I'll skip this year and go back. Was there anybody talking to you about mindset? In, in my world, when I was growing up, we, coaches weren't talking about mindset. They were teachers that were coming in coaching, getting you to the, to the, to the meet, to the game, whatever it was, and they get to go home at night. But there was nobody like in our heads talking about thinking like positivity and, you know, some of the things that you just said, did you get to a place where you realize those things on your own, where your coach is talking to you about mindset and visualization and things like that? Yeah, for sure. So my, my high school coach, Dennis Paramo, I'm so close with him. And he was always reading books, trying to figure out how to help us. And uh, so he would talk about stuff for sure. Um, kind of like those post-practice speeches, how to get the most out of yourself, like grind, all that. So with Terry Steiner, our national team coach, but honestly, I really don't think it came from that. Like there was a lot of stuff that just didn't resonate or it didn't like I would listen to the speeches and, and I was still the same. So for me, I think it 
it came from just being really self-reflective and also the spiritual side of my life, which I really started to develop in high school and started to read about Buddhism and, and look into just everything I could. Um, I also have always been really interested in compounds, like drugs, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I actually put such a useless word because it encompasses caffeine to you know, cannabis to whatever else. But, but really like psychedelics um, were probably the biggest thing aside from self-reflection and spirituality, but they all are, are the same thing to me that helped me to understand myself and develop myself as a person. So, so you're saying you, you experimented with psychedelics. Did you go to a doctor? Did you do it on your own? You know, yeah. Or, you yeah. Know. So, so my first mushroom trip was when I was 18, like uh, 17 or 18 when I was graduating high school. I think it was the summer I graduated. And that was like, still to this day, one of the best days of my life, like completely expanded my consciousness and awareness and um, really assisted me, really assisted me on the path that I was already just studying. Like I was reading about the, the things that happened in the mushroom trip, basically, mm -hmm. through Buddhism and spirituality, texts and stuff like books, like The Power of Now, etc. And um, but then the mushrooms like showed me for myself. And so from there forward, I um yeah I've, I've used various psychedelics just pretty much on my own and then going into deeper psych psychedelics like ayahuasca um those are all facilitated and yeah it's been incredible that's it's honestly like 50 percent of my life is this work with plant medicine at this point oh, wow. um and yeah and learning learning just learning everything i possibly can i actually when i went to school for psychology i initially wanted to be a therapist for um psychedelic therapies and mdma therapies MDMA therapies are crazy. They're doing such amazing work with PTSD and all types of disorders. Um, and then I was like, kind of realized, ah, I don't know that, I don't think that's what I meant for it to be like stuck in a, first of all, stuck in a university for another four, five, six years. And then just one-on-one, -on -one, like, I think I'm meant to spread this message to wider audiences. Um, so, so I'm taking a little bit of a different route with it now. She's okay. a shaman. <laughs> You're an outright yeah, shaman. Like yeah, I'll use, I'll, use, I'll use the term medicine woman at this point. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big mushroom yeah, like, guy. I'm a big mushroom guy. Oh, you I'm, are? Nice. I'm, I'm invisible. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> Just like the mycelial network. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm talking to the right wait, guy now. I, <laughs> wait a minute. I am the imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> No longer in a physical body. There you go. <laughs> so now, how does how does that play into you know we're talking about mindset, obviously you know not only in your personal life but in in training in this new journey into MMA is is this helping you with your with your sport with with yeah, like you know what huge. you're looking at in the future? Oh my, I could go deep. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep go, go ahead. <laughs> I'll, start, I'll start more service level. Um, when I so. I started learning about mushrooms and how they work and Paul Stamets was a really big aid in yeah. that. He's been on the podcast, you know, two or three times. And um, so understanding microdosing, like I, I went, put myself on the Stamets stack, which is um, 100 milligrams of psilocybin mushrooms, 100 milligrams of lion mane, and then some amount of, of niacin, I think 100 milligrams maybe too. And I was on a proper microdosing protocol for, I don't know, a few months maybe. And in training, it's been exponentially valuable this was years ago at this point but I, I remember specifically a two-day period where I went in one day and wrestled this kid and I was uh getting taken we we're going live and he would take me down and I'd be like in my head just, I shouldn't be getting taken down by this kid like completely raining down on myself yeah. and 
getting back to wrestling and then just getting taken down again, you know? So it's just like this vicious cycle. And then the following day I microdosed for the first time um, in training and all of that was gone. It was completely clear. Like I, I, if I got taken down, it was like a computer, like, okay, this happened because of this, adjust your positioning. And now I'm in position and it doesn't happen again. And you know, the, the tides are turning in the way that I'm wrestling and especially uh, time, like I, really the essence of competing is being able to remain present for the entire the duration of the competition. And that's what mushrooms help pretty much helped me with the most during that period of time was just remaining present. Like my mind is like, all can be all over the place. Uh, it doesn't really think linearly. I don't really think linearly. It's like, I feel like I have a thought and then I think of every possible way I could say it. And then I start stuttering. Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, the mushrooms really helped me with that. And, and they, they've helped with so many other things. And yeah. Yeah, so much gratitude. Does cannabis play a role in any of your training or recovery or anything like that? It did for a while. I think that it's just not my medicine um, at this point. Like there are sometimes I'm called to it to sleep and CBD I use more regularly than cannabis. It also doesn't agree with ayahuasca. Um, That's one thing that you're asked to step away from for the week before and the week after. Uh, and really from like a shamanic perspective, these are two really powerful plant spirits. And um, in the Amazon, you'll do what's called the dieta, where you diet a specific plant, most of them non-psychedelic. Um, and then ayahuasca will help you commune with that plant. And they're kind of, they're plant teachers. Like they are, I feel like they're my mentors. So yeah. so really since I'm working so closely with other plants, it's kind of not uh, on the agenda right now. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes well, so it helps me to sleep. You you really need to get on uh, on to Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> have, have you are you a fan? Have you heard him talk Huge about fan. these things? Yeah, yeah, Huge fan. I mean, probably was uh, a leading cause or not cause, but like assist in all of my development in all this stuff. Yeah, um, in exploration of DMT and all these different things. And yeah, grateful for that. All that. Aubrey yeah. Marcus as well. Aubrey Marcus probably even bigger because he was really at the time I was listening to him. Um, which has been kind of years now, but he was really down for ayahuasca yeah. and really made it seem like an appropriate thing to do, yeah. which our culture is like, that's not an appropriate thing to yeah, do. Right. Many, Unfortunately. Many <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the MMA side of things and, and what, what's the plan? You know, where do you see this taking, you know, taking to the you? Top? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm 105 and there's no 105 in the UFC right now. So I'm consciously manifesting 105 in the yeah. UFC. I'd like to compete just on the biggest stage in, in the United States. But there is a 105 in one championship, which is also a massive organization. And I love Southeast Asia. So um, I kind of see my, myself continuing amateur for as long as it takes to feel yeah. entirely comfortable. Um, and then entering one championship, maybe other organizations beforehand. I'm not sure. Uh, I really like how one promotes. I really like their what they're about. So I would, it would be an honor to compete in that organization. And then when the UFC is ready, then uh, UFC. Yeah. I I was going to say I, I'm becoming a fan of one championship because of what they're doing with like just having the jujitsu only events, you know, <laughs> jujitsu or doing just kickboxing or Muay Thai fights. I like that. We I, I hadn't really it wasn't on my radar as big as they were. I wasn't really watching it. And I was over here constantly talking about that, you know, jujitsu isn't going to have a place, you know, like MMA, like the UFC, like, where are we going to go with this? Cause jujitsu could be boring. Jujitsu mm. could be very boring. 
you know, as a spectator, when you're doing it, it's it's fun and it's great. But right. like, how many people watch jujitsu that don't do jujitsu? So right. it one championship, it's finding its place with an organization like that where it's mixed in with these other martial arts and people just want to see those martial arts, you know, and then you have a full MMA fight where it's everything great. But I hadn't anticipated that somebody would actually do that. You know, know, and it was on prime and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I I, I love it. I'm I'm glad that they're doing it. And and I hope, I don't know if UFC will ever take notice because it just like feels so big at this point, but you know, it, it would be great. I mean, you know, Dana White said at one point, right. He wouldn't have women in the UFC. I don't know if, I don't know if you remember that. And then, then it was just like, you know, I th- was it Ronda Rousey, right? Came over from Strike Force, and, and then, then it just happened and it just snowballed. Right. Right. But so you would hope to be in the UFC at some point. Um, what is the outlook? Is there any buzz about, you know, a 105, oh, you know, a 105 division or, you know, what right. are people right. saying in that world? I've heard it both ways. I've heard there it's coming and then I've heard never, <laughs> but really like, I don't know. That's how everything is until it's created, you know? Yeah. Again, so, yeah. Like, like yeah, Dana exactly. White, you know, him, him saying there would never be women in the UFC and then, and then it happens. Exactly. And this, the way that women's weight classes seem to be added is they have one big star and they'll build a weight class around that person yeah. or the tough show. So I see both of those as being potential yeah. possibilities. Um, so I'm, knowing that purposely building my platform and, yeah. and really doing what I can to expand my own reach and, and be the best possible, like really, really work towards my gifts of being explosive and fast and entertaining. Like I, I have a really entertaining wrestling style largely because of judo and being able to throw and foot sweep and do all these things. Um, but that's actually not really very good for winning wrestling matches. You need to be able to win one, one yeah. matches or, you know, two, one matches. And that was never a strong suit for me. Like I would give up as many points as I got. Um, but for fighting, that's actually perfect. You know, so I, I have, I have everything I need, I believe to, to be that person for this sport in this weight class. Um, and there are other girls that are equally as fucking awesome. I forgot to ask, can I curse or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I don't know if you're going to. Yeah. No, we leave the curses in. Uh, we, we try not to curse for the first 15 minutes, but remember, we'll record our intro. We're, we're 40 minutes in almost, but okay. uh, we okay. usually try not to curse in the first few minutes because the way I understand it is YouTube actually like scans the first couple of minutes oh, of the podcast to, no. to gauge certain things. And if you're cursing in the beginning, it makes it difficult. It'll still run, but it makes it difficult to run ads and, and to do certain things. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're good. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, just on that note, there's, there's a bunch of girls that I'm in communication with training with that are amazing, amazing athletes. So funny. I have a training partner in Phoenix, this girl named Lindsay Vincent. She's such, to me, she's a huge star already. I'm like, I could just see it. So I think people really attach to personalities as I know them and yeah, it can continue from there. I I've said this on the show a million times. Most of the time, when I'm again a UFC fan, I, you know, between having to watch jujitsu and and you know podcasts that you know from guests uh, their podcasts that you know doing my uh, my research and things like that, it's so hard to make time to watch as much UFC as I'd like to as I used to mm. before. I mean, I bought every one or yeah, bought every UFC you know <laughs> in the past. Um, but it, it's when there are women fighting on the card; those are sometimes those are my favorite cards. You know, I, I feel like, and, and you'll tell me if you agree, I feel like women still feel like they have something to prove 
Like they want to earn that spot. They want to earn those, those weight divisions. They want to make sure that, that the UFC is still going to have them there. I feel like they, they women, you, they fight their hearts out. And sometimes I just don't see like, you know, on some of like, you know, the pre-fights and things like that. Like I don't always get that excitement sometimes, you know, my favorite fighter, male or female, Rose Namajunas. I love her. She's amazing. That whole thing that she had with uh, uh, Ian Jacek when she was kind of getting bullied and she was there saying that like a Hail Mary. That yeah. that I I want like like I get a tear in my eye when I watch it because I'm just like I know what that's like to be bullied and like she's being bullied in front of the world and she's just tra- maintaining her composure and waiting for the day she gets like it's amazing. I I love her just for that. But I, I, most of the time, the, the the cards with the women on them are my favorite, are the ones that are just more spectacular, more action, you know, take nothing away from the men. I get it. They're, you know, there's some awesome stars, but sometimes I, when it's, when there are women on the card, I don't want to miss it, you know? That's so good to hear. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't speak to being a male athlete, but I just know what I've had to fight for in my own career, you know, and it's literally for generations behind me like the men are set up they it exists it's going to continue to exist and and for us like still a lot of criticism still a lot of i mean everybody is criticized of course but um through my wrestling career i didn't realize it until now but i i blazed a trail for many that came after me and and the girls tell me this now and i'm like ah, ah, okay okay yeah i think so take so, it take it yeah yeah, yeah. Take it. enjoy yeah, it. embrace so, it yeah so with fighting it you know, I have that same feeling and I, I wonder how many other girls have that same feeling of just fighting for something a lot greater than even just myself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, so where's that exotic look from? She's got oh, a very... Yeah. Okay. She's got me curious. I'm like... Yeah. 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 That's actually a question I get pretty often. My family is New Orleans Creole. So black, French, Spanish, and then whatever else was mixed up in like the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. New Orleans being a port city, uh, black slaves were there mm-hmm. or imported there. And then French traders coming in. It was French colonized and Spanish colonized and, and then some other stuff. It's like a jambalaya. It's a- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say jumbled up. No, it's definitely like jambalaya. <laughs> Spice at it. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's- Really cool uh, background. Yeah. So let's get into we we've got some listener questions. I'm going to go through some of these, uh, and then I'll do our we we actually I think we have a good name for the uh, for the final questions, Bo. I, I got something back. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. We're going to rename our last segment today. <laughs> okay. okay. So we have a, a, <laughs> this this first question is from Faith on Instagram. I've got to send you this link. This little girl is adorable. She's new to wrestling. So I'll read her question, but she was, her, she was like doing like katas with a sword. She was wrestling. <laughs> she I think she's doing jujitsu as well. It, it was amazing. Her That's feed was cute. incredible. That's cute. Uh, so it says, hi, I'm, I'm a new wrestler and a jujitsu slash kickboxer. I'm struggling with keeping low wrestling, keeping a low wrestling stance. Any tips? I can't wait to use my throws and matches. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> um, keep your hand touching the mat because if your hand's touching the mat, then you're low enough in your stance and keep your back straight and knees bent versus back rounded and knees straight. And that should get you that your leg muscles will eventually get used to it. And 
I never thought I would get used to being in a stance, but now that's more na- natural than standing upright to box. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. so now I, I did see one of your videos where I think it was, were you doing something like exercises for Gatorade? They had a segment where you were okay, showing yeah, some yeah. exercises and I think you were using your bands and I like, I like what you did. You know, you tied the bands around your waist and then you were doing that, right? You were like, if you were touching your opponent's toes, yeah. right. Or, or grabbing their feet. Right. Is yeah. that something that she could be doing and would be helpful with, with getting low? Yeah, for sure. And literally just spending periods of time in your stance, like one minute, then moving that up to and doing maybe six, one minute goals in your stance, depending on how long her matches are. They might only be four minutes and then two minutes in two minutes in her stance and then three minutes, three minutes in her stance and the body will adapt just like it does to everything else. And um, yeah, literally just moving though. You don't even have to be taking shots and doing all that, but then adding in shots and sprawling, but being able to maintain a stance is the building block of good defense and good offense. Like you can actually see your act properly when you're in your stance. If you're out of your stance, you can't see anything. And then it's also difficult to defend. Okay. And like we say in jujitsu, like you're going to get, you know, your goal should be to get 1% better every day. Like you're supposed to be having these problems. You're supposed to be learning that, right? If you were, if you were just born with it, you'd be, you know, the, the second coming, but, You've got to be patient. You've got to know that these things are going to happen, that, you know, it it took you lots of practice and hard work to get where you are. So just be patient. Sometimes we like, again, like I quit a lot of sports because like, it's like, oh, I'm not the best at this one. Let me find another sport. Like I was great at soccer and I quit because I wanted to be cool and play football. And then I was horrible at football. You know, my size did not help me at that time. So it's a, I wish that I had somebody in my ear to be patient, stick with soccer, like fine. I was good at it. I was really good at it. And if I would have kept stayed with it, my father to this day says, man, I thought you were going to go really far oh, with no, soccer. Like, you like <laughs> he also is like, why are you starting jujitsu in your forties? Isn't it a little late? And I'm like, Oh dad, you're killing me. Yeah, All your honesty pop. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I'm going to go kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, let's talk. That. Let's I'll talk. That the patient's note yeah. real quick. One thing that helped me to understand is to become an expert at anything. You need 10,000 hours or 10 years yeah. pretty much. Uh, then that transfers over once you've done expert level, then you can transfer that. But that's like part of that is just learning to learn and learning to be consistent and stick with something. So yeah, yeah be patient, Faith. You got 10 years ahead of you. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, and my bad, again, we're on the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast and we haven't really talked. We've got other questions that we'll, we'll get to Jiu-Jitsu. But tell me a little bit about how Jiu-Jitsu plays into your Ooh. training. Yeah. Are you loving it? Is it something that you're doing a lot of? Are you training gi? I, I want to know. I want to answer all those questions. Yeah, definitely. I'm loving it so much. Um, competing ADCC trials lit a fire under me because I was like, "What's a knee bar?" Yeah. <laughs> after the morning after, yeah. I was like, "I gotta figure this out." So, quickly. so how how much jujitsu had you done before ADCC? And this was just last April, right? Yeah, I mean, you could probably string together like yeah. two three months. Yeah, because it, because what happened was I uh, I booked my first fight. And it was supposed to be in um, November. And so from that point, I was like, okay, fight starts on my feet. I, and I found out about the fight. I don't know. I don't know what month, but a few months prior. I, uh, I was like, I just think I'm going to focus on striking because I don't even, I really feel uncomfortable striking. I've never done any striking prior to this. Whereas jujitsu, judo, kind of similar. I'm like, I'll figure it out when I get to the ground or I'll just smush her from there. <laughs> but I have to figure out how to get there and um so i just focused on striking and then the fight kept getting pushed back so it then it got moved to december and then it got moved to february and then it got moved to four days before adcc trials mm-hmm. and um both kendall and uh, my other friend 
Mason Fowler. Shout out Mason. They both had spoken to me. You were, they were like, you should compete at AC trials. Like it really favors wrestlers. So my initial plan was like, okay, I'm going to uh, get my, this fight done in November, then December. Okay. And then I'll have four months to train for ADCC trials. And then that literally didn't happen at all. And I was training jujitsu pretty minimally. Like all, like I said, you could string together a, two to three months maybe in, in my life. <laughs> and then uh, I was on the plane back. So my fight was in Amsterdam. I won the fight and I wasn't scratched. Didn't have any, you know, I was good. And I bought the internet on the airplane and text Kendall's on Monday. The trials are on Friday. I was like, do you think I should still do that tournament? And she was like, yeah, I have an extra bed. You that tournament me. is the Olympics yeah, that, yeah. for jiu-jitsu. I didn't, I didn't even know what you it know, was. What, what is it called again? ACCCB? What? I literally didn't know what it was. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Where I just yeah. chucked myself into stuff. And I remember uh, they. So during COVID, jiu-jitsu and gi, someone just started a class in my apartment complex. So I was going for like a little bit there. And I posted a picture on Instagram in gi pants. And so I, so other people had suggested I do ADCC trials, like a bunch of people on the internet. And I posted a picture. It was like, should I do ADCC trials? I'm wearing gi pants. Kendall is the only person that mentioned it. <laughs> I didn't even know it was not no gi tournament. Uh, and then on the, I'm, I had two days at home. No, I didn't even have two days at home. I went to Colorado for two days, sat in ceremony came back to California, drove my ass to Vegas. And on the way to Vegas, I was watching the rules meeting. So that's how that went. <laughs> that's crazy. Thank you to Feito IT and AV, specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428-2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram, too, at MyNeutralZone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium Jiu-Jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ Box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at thebjjbox. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow & Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowandroll.com to check out their awesome designs, and while you're there, pick up a Jiu-Jitsu Dummy Signature Tee exclusively at flowandroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of T-shirts, rash guards, or geese with code JJD. 
Would you do, would you do it again? I mean, is it something oh, that you yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. Like okay. it was amazing. I really loved being a part of the community. Like I, I really, really appreciated it. Yeah. It was such a lovely environment. And how, vibe and how different is this? Hard. How different is the jujitsu community and that community that you saw at ADCC from the wrestling community? Is, is it, super is it far different. off? Is it completely different? Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, super different. Like yeah. <laughs> jujitsu people will before the match be cool and after be cool and everything's cool and wrestling is not like that like girls girls especially i don't know why it's like this but to walk up and shake hands girls like slap your hand fucking, like are just not it's not a proper handshake yeah. and uh and then there's a lot of like i just feel like animosity before after during it's also different it's um scarcity is built into the sport of wrestling and on the olympic side there are only six olympic spots for women and there are only and men and then there are only so many medals and they don't they will not increase the medal count so with that there you're literally clawing at each other for your livelihood whereas jujitsu there's so many opportunities you know to compete and different organizations different shows and all that so that's different. cool i'm glad that you're you're liking this community the, the yeah, other community yeah. and it's like a big ass puzzle too which is good for my brain <laughs> all right so this is uh this is coming from a it, it seemed like it was like a you might know this name Splattle City does that sound oh, yeah, familiar yeah, to you know who that is yeah, he, did a, he made a highlight for me after my fight Splatle, okay Splatle 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 <laughs> you know Splatle is no clearly not a Splatle is a wrestling move where I don't even know how to do it but you like weave yourself between the other person's leg and they end up um legs spread like this up looking at the sky and they're getting pinned <laughs> and that, really it sounds like kind of like our uh electric chair or banana split almost yeah maybe something like that yeah okay so he says what keeps victoria pushing and want to get better every day good question really the fact that i just want to make the most of my time on this earth and uh the gifts i've been given and I like having fun. And I think this stuff is really fun. I think it's fun to like come on a podcast to you guys. I think it's fun to go into the room every day, see my homies, work on things, like discover new things. That's the most fun part about these sports for me is realizing like, oh, I can combine this piece that I got 10 years ago with this piece that I got today. And I have something new that's insane. And uh, those, those things combined make it something I just want to do every day. Yeah. She's yeah. an old soul. Yeah. Yeah. How old, how old is she now? How old I'm are you? 31. 31. Yeah, you're because no. I have a daughter that's 29. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> and like, I have like another the, daughter named Victoria, by the, the biggest way. Go, the, the biggest <laughs> yeah. gurus don't don't wake up until they're 75, you yeah, know? And, and that is you're true. talking like. Well, I think I think it's, it's the sports side of it. It's the, super, you, you see athletes. No, no, but she, she sought some more. She went beyond that. Yeah. You know, the sports side, yeah, that, that brings you into that fold. Yeah. But. She she took it further from there, and and so I hear some of the things you say because of what I study, you know. So mm-hmm. like I'll mention uh, psychedelics and spirituality again here because a lot of the spiritual texts are about like yeah this life not being all there is. Spiritual texts that that I read like about reincarnation and different things, and to me it's like literally a gift to be on this crazy planet where the sky is blue, the grass is green, you know, and that doesn't like, maybe I might not show up here again. I don't know. So have you had, have you ever had a bad trip? Have you, you know, I, I I haven't done psychedelics. Mm. I I did mushrooms once (laughs) and I giggled for like two hours with a friend. I I don't know what I like. Why am I giggling? I thought I was supposed to go on a trip. That was like in (laughs) Key West and whatever the craziness. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, I don't know a lot about, like psychedelics 
So could you potentially have a bad trip or have you ever had a bad trip? I personally have never had a bad trip in all of my days, but I have uh, assisted friends as they had a not so nice trip (laughs) and really, but, but even after, so we always have what's called integration circle after any of these trips, even if it's just my friend and uh, myself doing mushrooms, where we talk about what came up, what we experienced, you know, what cleared. And those ones where I had to assist friends through, it was all just lessons and learning and and maybe things that we don't really want to look at up close that we've shoved away that they'll, often it has to do with our intentions. You, you go into these, you're doing them from like a spiritual and self-development perspective with some sort of intention, which could be as light as to have a great time or to have a great day. Or to you know uncover childhood trauma and and release that from your being yeah. entirely. So I call that stuff, it. That's that's what I, that's kind of what I'm worried about. Well, like if it, I did it, I, I'm, so, I'm worried about. Hold on, yeah. I'm worried about demons. I'm worried about something <laughs> that I don't know. No, like literally my own or demons own, or yeah. something coming out that I'm just like I'm gonna be well, like comatose in the corner, like crying or something like so, that. Understood. Yeah. So so I would say that. The medicines generally give us what we're ready for. So long as you do the correct dose and you yeah. have, you're doing it respectfully in respect to the plants. Yeah. And the plants are so loving. Like often people, I hear it all the time. Like this is the most love I've ever felt. <laughs> um, and it's really opening us up to the love for ourselves that we stifle or, you know, for various reasons, we, a lot of us just don't even love ourselves. You know, we're walking around the planet struggling, fucking yeah. struggling. Yeah. And um, so it will, they will often pull that stuff up, like digging out a root and, and getting it up and out of you. That may come through tears. Um, all the indigenous medicines, indigenous tribes, where a lot of the plants I work with come from, uh, they have an aspect of purging to all of the medicines that they work with, which will either be tears or something like getting really hot or getting really cold. And that's not even spoken about in Western cultures, you know? So mm. uh, in fact, like yawning is even a purge. It's fun. any yeah. physical expression. That's these, these energies that have been within us stuck somewhere in the body which often manifests as injuries and that's a huge one like i don't know if you've uh, heard of the book um the body keeps score but it talks about it from a medical perspective so i've had that i've had like a knee injury that i worked with some plants to heal and it's just pulling it out (laughs) so yeah bo i'm sorry i didn't mean to to like wave you off but bo bo had uh bo was gonna make a comment no, no, she actually ended up covering. <laughs> uh, hey, look at that! The guest. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things you know personally, uh, and I, I hope this doesn't go too deep for you, but um, I was a little brown boy, Puerto Rican boy, growing up on Long Island. Uh, I was there weren't many people that looked like me. Uh, I was very much always underestimated. I was a very smart kid, father of a cop. I was a good, straight laced kid. Uh, again, athletic, smart. I did very well in school. So did my sister. But somebody would meet me and they would completely underestimate me just because of the color of my skin or what I look like. Do you find that people underestimate you because of, of you know, a woman, your stature, your, you know, what you're, you're 410, right? Like, I would assume that people are constantly underestimating you. Does it drive you nuts or do you use it to your advantage? That's a good question. I feel like I have never had a great perception of the truth of people's like um, perception of me. So I all, it was always skewed in some way or another, you know, and it's hard for me to answer because I, I can't like pinpoint a time where I felt that, especially I'm black and small and a woman. So if it was I'm like, I wouldn't know which, which one they're choosing. And yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I can, yeah. Did you, did you ever feel like that on the mat though? Or, or in, in 
like uh, or maybe less on the mat because you're getting matched up, you know, in competition, you're exactly. you're matching up with somebody that's equal. But, you know, maybe like in the training rooms, you know, people are like, I eh, know I don't want to wrestle with you. You're too small for me. You know, like in that way, did anybody ever underestimate you in that way? Yeah, I have had that happen. There's a girl named Sofia Matsen. Um, she's an Olympic medalist for Sweden. But I was also a younger girl and we were in Sweden and there's a big training camp of girls and I would try to run up to her and be her partner and she acted like she didn't see me. She like looking, <laughs> literally looking over my head, <laughs> like seeing straight over me and find a different partner, you know. But at the same time, I've done the same thing, you know, because there are people that I'm trying to work with or or I'm like, no, like that girl's too young right now and this is my training time. So there's been that. I think um I think in business experiences and in kind of like social settings, sometimes it, that can happen for sure. Yeah. And then we're like surprised, like, oh, <laughs> you can yeah. speak kind of, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's probably. It that's took happened. a long time, like moving to Florida and being in a more diverse area, you know, like at least South Florida, it's, you know, so many different colors, races, religions, mm-hmm. ethnicities, whatever, however you want to say it, that I've, I've always said like, I could never leave Florida after what I experienced in New York and just being, you know, the one that stood out in the crowd all the time to hear where, you know, so many of my friends, they had the same experiences, especially if they lived up North coming here, you know, just, you know, like, uh, you were, I think we spoke about this on the last podcast for my family in New York city, the Puerto Ricans that were in New York city, you were a sellout. If your family moved to long Island where it was, you know, better, nicer, safer, um, to, uh, you know, white people, you're not white enough to Puerto Ricans. Now you're acting like you're white. Like they, 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 they I experienced a lot of that. People don't always like to hear it, but I experienced a lot of that. So being in Florida and just being, it's just like, you know, my neighborhood where I live now, I just moved into a new home and it's just like white, Indian, black, Asian, Hispanic, white, Indian, but like, it's just, but I love that. When I go outside and I see my neighbors, I love that. I didn't have that yeah. where I came from. It was like, my block was like the group of Puerto Ricans and then everybody, it was all white everywhere else. So it was like, it was, it was different for us and it was different for them. You know, it's just like, but I know that it's still kind of like that. It's like that town has the Puerto Ricans in it. <laughs> that town has the Dominicans the, across the tracks are, are black people. Like it, that's just kind of where I came from. And, you know, I don't hate where I came from. It's I like, have it, lots of friends from, from, from growing up, <laughs> but you know, I did experience those things. So, you know, yeah, that's a that's a common experience from some of my my friend, like Mexican friends in particular, that they were not Mexican enough to be hang out with the Mexican kids, and then yeah. not like white, white enough. And yeah, I can see I can see how that. Can yeah, be really like you get it, you're getting it from both sides. And you know, my father was just like, I just want to have a better life for my family. You know, right. and right. as you know, the grown ups didn't necessarily see it. You know, we're kids. You know how kids can be, and going to a school and there was like three Puerto Rican kids in like my elementary school. You know, of of however many hundreds of kids there were. So it was just like, we, we didn't, there weren't a lot of people that looked like us, you know? Um, but you know, I had a good upbringing, but like my parents, like till I was an adult and would tell them a little bit about that. They didn't really see it, but then they did share how like some of our neighbors moved when, when, when all the Puerto Ricans moved into neighborhood, by the way, which like, it was like cops and postal workers were like the people that were the Puerto Ricans that were moving into the area or the other Hispanics as well. And it was just like, uh Oh, you know, there goes the neighborhood mm. and they had the bigger house. We had the bigger houses. We had the bigger land. You know, we had the underground pools and they had the smaller houses. So then it went, f- I felt like it went from, 
uh, like, uh oh, there goes a the neighborhood to almost jealousy. How could these people have more than us? You know, yeah. so I experienced a lot of. So Florida really changed things for me, just being in a, in a much you know, much more diverse community. I mean, even when I, I live an hour away from Miami, when I come to Miami, I still feel kind of out of place. Cause that it's like, you're going to Cuba, you're going to South America. When you come here, everybody talks to you in Spanish. My Spanish is horrible. So now you I deal with that, but I'd much rather deal with that than to deal with some of the things I dealt with up there. Just imagine how I feel. Yeah. But you, you fit in anywhere. <laughs> but they, but they, think, they think I'm a gringo and yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm Romanian. I'm oh, the, you're Romanian. I'm more Latin than they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Right, let's uh, <laughs> let's go on to let's go on to this next question here. We have uh, it's Johnny Ward six oh seven. What has been the most difficult to break, if any, ingrained habits from a lifetime of res- wrestling when transitioning to to BJJ and MMA? Leaning forward, like I want to like, lean into a stance, and then I and I the punches are already like I'm trying to make sure I don't overthrow and then i'm like oh i feel good <laughs> bent over so i want i want to lean into everything and henry really helped me uh henry cejudo is kind of mentored me through my whole wrestling career and now oh, wow yeah yeah i love their family so much his brother angel is my wrestling coach in arizona and, and still I call, i'll call him my coach um one day i was at henry's house and he was like okay victoria like you're starting like how do you feel blah, blah, blah. and uh he he was like i want you to start with a karate stance to to understand the center of balancing a little bit more and he had on his table he had you know those like um you know that people will use uh not softballs but uh what are the type of balls you use to roll out your back um like the uh, a sport the sports ball like a, sport, a tennis ball yeah, or yeah, something sport. it's a sp- yeah. sp- uh, like a, a tennis yeah, we'll ball say, or okay, baseball we'll say a tennis ball <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter we'll say a tennis ball and uh then sometimes they're combined like this he had, a, he had that. I know what you're and, talking about. That is yeah, like a device used for your back. Yeah, yeah. And he, he had it on his table. He's like, he's like looking around. He grabbed it. He's like, like this. And he had drawstrings on his pants and he tied the knot around it. And so it would hang directly um, balanced. And I always have that image in my mind now because it's like that, that has to stay balanced like directly. So that's one of the things that I think you know, every day in practice today as well that I'm working on is just not overthrowing and leaning into my wrestling stance. Yeah. That's one reason I chose to uh, go southpaw as well. For one, I'm left-handed, so my power is my left hand. But for two, my left leg was forward in wrestling. So I was like, I don't know. I think it might help. I definitely want to lean into my wrestling stance because my stance is left leg lead. So I switched partly for that reason, too. Uh, Is is he involved in any way in in mentoring or coaching you now in in your MMA journey? Is he still there? Is this still somebody you depend on? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I can call him up anytime. Whenever I'm in Arizona, I try to see him or... Um, work with him and I, I just love, like I said I love his family so much and they really I feel like they really take him in as a part of their own yeah um, but he's so willing to work with anybody that comes across him for the for the most part you know people that are really on their their highest path working hard um, at the gym fight ready in Arizona where he trains out of and where I used to train out of it's just like a congregation and sometimes I feel like he's the, to me he's a traveling mystic where he just yeah. poof, he's there and then he's gone again so he'll, <laughs> he'll give you with some good stuff to think about and to consider and he'll tell it to you like straight which is something I'm really grateful for that he's helped me with at various yeah. points in my career. Do you think we're going to see him back in the ring? In the I cage? Think so. they pay him. Yeah, they pay him properly yeah. for sure. I know he want, I, he's he's serious. Oh, he yeah. was at the, I saw some uh, some video of him at the last UFC. 
He was getting oh he God. was getting into people's did you see all that stuff? Like he was really yeah. getting like, Oh man. Sugar Sean. I was like, oh yeah, no. she had Sugar Sean. He was in his interview and he's like, What's going on? Is this guy actually coming back? He was so freaking confused. Yeah, he was stuck for a second. I like him a lot too. He's like, is he coming back? I don't know. If you're coming back, let me know. Tell me the way. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. One of the best parts about Henry though is he's also content like to to just throw himself in the mix and then if something comes out of it, then cool. He's always yeah. working on business different things different angles and i love him trolling these guys it's it's freaking hilarious i follow him and i see the stuff that he posts and like the the tweets and and stuff that he reposts on instagram it's hilarious he really gets under the skin (laughs) all right we have one more question from uh her name is her screen name is devoted so what's your favorite takedown oh a double leg for sure now okay so let's ask favorite takedown in a wrestling match right are you using the same thing in an MMA fight? You know, do you feel like you can you can still land that double leg? Yeah, I, I hit a pretty nice double leg in my fight and like ran the girl across the mat to, towards yeah. my coaches so I could hear them yeah. in my my first fight. And uh, yeah, it's really just finding entries and like dependent upon their stance. So yeah. I took the girl down in each of the three rounds and it, the other two takedowns, I don't even know how they happened. I just got my paws on her and then was able to do stuff. Yeah. So, um, was that the fight in Amsterdam that you mentioned? That was the fight in Amsterdam, yeah. 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 How, so many, how many amateur fights do you have to date? Just one. Just, just one. one? Oh, okay. We're <laughs> just getting started. Four, four days later, I competed at ABCC Trials. Uh, and on, listen. on the fifth day, my knee was barred. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's so great. I've been dealing with that since then. That's, well, listen, I, I'm excited to see you fight. I'm excited to see the journey. Have you thought about like Invicta? I mean, obviously like Invicta was, is, yeah. you know, still around and is the old, is, I guess, I don't know what, like UFC, obviously they air on fight pass, you know, UFC has right. got their fingers in there somewhere, but do you see yourself maybe going through Invicta and, and getting into the UFC? Is that an option? Yeah, it's an option. I mean, it's not. I'm not getting into the UFC if there's not a weight class, regardless. You know, 115 is just really, really great. So it doesn't really change a lot for me. And there's a lot of girls that I believe I can beat in one right now today. Um, And there's girls that I'm not ready for. So I think I can develop myself equally as well in one and get paid probably better um, and have a larger platform with that. So Mm -hmm. I don't really see it for myself, but it's it's there. It's a possibility. Okay. All right, so Bo, we're going to name this. We had a, uh, he's actually from my gym. His name is Justin. He, we, we were talking about renaming this section. I kept on calling it a speed round, but it's not a speed round. We ask a question and then we talk for, we might go <laughs> yeah. for a half hour. So <laughs> there goes the round. speed round. So I'm like, we got to stop calling it that. So he actually suggested the drill down, So right? Okay. Jiu-jitsu drilling, right? So the drill down. Sure. So these are probably six or seven questions that we ask almost every um, guest. Uh, or, you know, we variations depending on, you know, the discipline that the, the guest uh, fights in or, or trains in. Am so, I supposed to answer like, short and fast or no? No, that's why, that's why getting okay. ready to speed round is, is, was okay. a good idea because everybody's like, am I just supposed to say yes or no? What what am I doing here? Uh, so, no, you can elaborate, but we're going to call it the drill down because we're, these are like the common questions that the listeners send us the most. So it's like they, they always want to know. You know, so it's just like we, we put them here. These are like the most common questions. So um, so when you train jiu-jitsu, you said you had gi pants on the other day, but I think you said you had gi pants because you borrowed them. So when you're training jiu-jitsu, are you training exclusively no gi or do you also train in the gi? I'm training exclusively no gi, but I love a gi, to wear a gi and I love being in the gi because I grew up in a gi for my this is true. first eight gotcha. years of martial arts. Years. Um, but since it has no application, I mean, it has some application, but 
clearly Nogi has more application in an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. So I'm really like, I need to be doing jujitsu for MMA entirely. I'm, I am 31 and uh, I see myself kind of finalizing things around 35, 36. So no, is the answer. <laughs> but yeah. I'd like to, okay. but I have to consciously keep myself out of a gi. Are you, are you incredibly, well, I guess you just said it, but are you incredibly conscious of that clock in your age? Is it, does it factor in on a daily basis or it's like, no, I have time. Do you, I mean, four or five yeah, years no. is still a lot of time. Yeah. No, no, I don't feel that. I don't feel any like time pressure from that sense or age wise. My body feels better than ever. Cause I'm not wrestling twice a day. It's yeah. incredible. Um, nah, nah, my life really just like moment by moment. Okay. So now we do usually ask this question, but I'm not sure that it really applies here because you're a wrestler and we've kind of talked about it. We would normally ask a jujitsu player, takedown or pull guard? Clearly takedown. So now do you have a lot of people like, I know I'm pulling guard on a wrestler. Is that Mm. just constantly happening to you when you're training? Like, oh, she's a wrestler, pull guard. I think people actually are interested to feel me and feel <laughs> the They're like, oh, let me get, let me like try this out. So, and I don't, I'm not going to just like blast through people and really fuck them up wrestling wise, you know? So, so people will stand with me. Um, ADCC trials, the first two girls stood for the majority of it. And I was like, this is sick. <laughs> and then the third match, you sat down immediately. And yeah. People that, that they, they figured you out a little bit. You think by that last, that last match? Yeah. Or I mean, like, I don't know why the first two girls didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the third girl, I actually know her, I'm friends with her, and yeah, immediate. Oh, down. so she I, knew you, she knew, she also she knew, knew yeah, you. We know, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've, like, communicated with each other about wrestling and stuff before, so. Okay. All right, so we've talked a ton about training, we've talked about all the different martial arts, but are you someone who washes these things? Are you watching, MM, like, are you a UFC fan? Are you watching Bellator? Are you watching, you know, YouTube videos to get tips? Yeah, huge fan martial arts in total, um, specifically uh, mixed martial arts. And through my wrestling career, I just didn't have the time of day to be watching fights every weekend. But now it's something I really study and really take the time pretty much daily to watch a fight or watch some rounds and yeah, learn as much as I can. So now what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on the mats in training or in a competition? Oh, Getting suplex in the national finals oh. sucked. <laughs> um, what else has happened? I mean, we've had, you know, like limbs break, toes breaking, people throwing mm. up, things like that. Mm. I mean, my wrist broke. Didn't feel that crazy at the time. My, the craziest thing that I've ever experienced was getting winning a match three times and then losing the match. I was wrestling in India and uh, I was wrestling in New Delhi. And I was wrestling a Korean girl in the finals of this tournament. And wrestling had previously been notorious for like people getting screwed by certain referees or the country that you're in, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this makes no sense. And everybody, literally everyone's confused. The girl I was wrestling was confused. She apologized to me after. Um, at the time, it was a, a, if you went, if it was 0 0 at the end of the match, or it was tied at the end of the match, you go and pull a ball out of a bag. You're either red singlet or blue singlet, and you would pull out a red ball or a blue ball. And then that would um, initiate the, 30 second go of someone starting in on a high crotch. Okay. And so she pulled the offensive ball basically. And I defended once. And then I defend, they were like, no, 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 no. And like broke us up and then restarted it. And we're like, what is going on? Whatever. We start again. I defend again. And I, we, they let the 30 seconds run out and I am wrestling and defend. She didn't score on me. So I'm like thinking they're going to raise my hand. 
they restart us again and then they just blow the whistle and announce her the winner and it was like it was everybody there's my what, friend what were you what was she supposed to accomplish were you supposed to only she defend supposed, she, had to, she had to score on me she had to score on me and i did not get scored on if i got scored on then she immediately wins okay. um and so if you defend then you're good i remember just I was like, maybe I experienced that like in a different way than everybody saw. No, everybody thought the same thing. There was actually a guy named Mr. Kim who was a part of the overarching governing body of wrestling at the time, standing behind the table. And it was the only Korean girl that they had in the finals. Dude was Korean. And he was the one making the calls, like calling the shots for that, for her to win that match. And so that was the, I was like, I've never experienced that before or after. I've been, I've kind of been screwed out of points and stuff, but that one was really bizarre. Yeah, they they Roy they Roy Jones Jr. you. Do you remember it, right? That was a that was a Korean that he was uh in the Korean Olympics. He beat the shit out of his opponent and then he he oh, loses really? the fight. Do you remember that? They they no, since no, I think no, they've no. since awarded him a gold medal for that. Oh really? Gave, wow. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, because it was he was like it was in like an obvious robbery. You know, like right. like right. They, I remember seeing a little cartoon of like you know, the, the ref has got the, both of their hands and he's got the Korean guy's hands raised, but he's like completely beaten and battered black eye. And there's Roy Jones all looking fresh. Oh, and wow, then, but yeah. the Korean guy's uh, hand gets raised. So it's, it, it's not unusual to experience that, especially in another country. You know? Yeah. 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 That, the trippy part was we were in India though. So I was like, yeah. I'm so confused. But yeah. No. That sucks. Wow. That's happened once too. For me, it's just like, meh. Another experience in this life. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you this question and I'm, I want three different answers. So I want to know who is your favorite competitor to watch, but I want a wrestler, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and an MMA fighter. I'll go Jordan Burroughs for my wrestler. Um, just, he's just always entertaining to watch. It's always fun. And okay. to, to see him pull a lot of matches out from behind or in the three-match series, some of the things he's done are crazy. Uh, you say MMA fighter second? MMA fighter will do. I will go with Wei Li. Um, okay. I love her. We're, we're friends now too. And oh, yeah? I just, yeah, his body makeup were similar. So really powerful, really athletic and, uh, and then her technique and just everything. I, I enjoy watching her fight. Yeah. So. And, and and where did you did you meet her somewhere? Where did you will you meet her? Yeah. So Henry's introduced me to so many dope people. Oh, but okay. I was um, yeah, I was at Fight Ready and he was like, Hey, Wei Lee is gonna be here. Um, kind of will you you come be a training partner or like like just stick around? I feel like it's a laboratory, like where we'll just kind of like pass around ideas and I got these nuts and got these berries and we'll trade them. And um she was working on inside trips at the time. So an inside trip is my number one move. It's not my favorite move, but it's my number one. It's probably my number one scoring attack. Um, and so I was able to help her with that and, and work with her on that. And since then, we continue to talk. She's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> really sweet person, yeah. Yeah, she was, uh, when she was fighting in Jacek, I remember she's another one that was like, Joanna uh, mm-hmm. was trying to bully her a little bit. And during the face off, she's just like, "Well, you should shut up!" Like she said, yeah, "Shut like up!" In that. English. Like she's just cool. <laughs> like, oh, enough already! I've had enough. Like we're gonna fight. Shut up already. Yeah. Okay. And do we have a jujitsu practitioner? Oh, I like Nikki Rod a lot. Okay. Shout out Nikki Rod because of his style, similar to my own, and explosive, like willing to just try shit. Yeah. And uh, and really, he was a person that I was like, "Oh, okay." When when people were talking about ADCC trials, I looked it up, and then. 
he what he had done in such a short period of time with a background in wrestling. Yeah. I told him actually at ADCC trials, I was jogging in the hallway after my first match. And I was like, he was standing there like, oh, what's up? You actually inspired me to do this. <laughs> I was like, okay, you can do this. And I think I can. Yeah. So <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So we talked, again, these are some questions we might have touched on, but what is your ultimate goal in MMA? And you did say. Yeah, be, be champion. the champion of the world. Do you feel like you could, do you feel like it's too much of a jump? What is it? Is it 115 or 125? Is that the? 115 is the next week. 115, class. okay. I didn't think it was until I started training with girls that are 115. And girls sometimes will walk 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and they're, I'm like, what well, weight are you? 115. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, wow. yeah. uh, and just seeing like, really, like, like Angela Hill, um, someone I train with, Jessica Penne, amazing girls, but they're just bigger. Like they're just bigger yeah. in every way than me. And height wise, like reach is, you. and and then I'm yeah. going to have to use my wrestling, right? But wrestling people that are a lot bigger than you, that's wrestling's weight class match. That sucks. It, so wrestling is tiring by itself. And then to have to wrestle someone that's significantly bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I walk at one team. So you, you dropped a lot of names there. I love Angela, Angie Hill. I love, uh, she, I think she's an amazing commentator. Yeah. So I think like, she's absolutely someone who's going to have a career beyond fighting. She does amazing. You know, she's right so there uh, on with those, uh, uh, you know, kind of the pre and post shows, uh, on, uh, on ESPN with, with those guys. I think she's amazing. I, I, and she's fun to watch fight. Yes. You get to, yes. Have you trained with her? Do you get to actually train with her? Yeah, wow, thankfully, you, actually, uh, her and her husband opened their home to me when I first moved out to San Diego. Okay. Uh, she she was actually one of the first people that invited me down here. She'd been inviting me for two years, actually. I was like, I don't know these people, basically. <laughs> and uh, she had invited me down another week, and then another person invited me. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just go down and check it out. And then five days later, I went and packed my shit and moved. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they let me stay with them on that initial trip. And then I was like, would you guys mind if I rented the room? So they allowed me to rent a room for a very reasonable rate, which San Diego is crazy for rent and just general expenses. So it really let me get on my feet out here. And I just have a lot of gratitude for to, um, Angela and Adam for that. You're definitely surrounded by incredible fighters. <laughs> the names that you've mentioned, I mean, these I people will guide good. you in the right direction, you know, so, so good for you. All right. So our very last question. And I'm like, oh, she's a wrestler. We're not going to get to ask this today. And I'm like, oh, the judo side. <laughs> do you or do you not, or have you or have you not ever washed your judo belt? Washed it. Washed it. Oh. Now let never, me wait. Yeah, you look a little never. confused. So I'm going to, oh, go ahead. I'll let you oh. finish. Okay, wait. Do you, you go first. <laughs> no, okay. I was going to say, you looked a little confused when I was asking, but like in the jujitsu world, in the jujitsu community, I don't know as much like the judo specific community. It is like certain coaches, old school coaches. It's a no, no to wash your belt. Mm -hmm. You do not wash your belt. You have your knowledge is in the belt. The sweat, the blood of your your opponents is in that. Why would you wash it off? And then there's the young guys or the newer guys, the newer generation is like, cause it's disgusting and it's dirty and it should be washed. Like I wash my underwear. Right. I should, you know, so, You say you do not wash your belt. Not, but I just recently got my black belt, so there's no reason to watch it. And then, really, I was just competing in judo till 14, so my mom was washing my geese. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she was washing my belts, though, to be honest. Okay. So, uh-huh. we'll put you down for, we call it Team Wash Your Belt. 
and team powers in the belt. So you're going to be a powers in the belt. Sure, so sure. no non-washing. So uh, we're going to end it here, but I am going to give you an opportunity. Do you want to give any shout outs? Say hello to anybody. Uh, shout out any sponsors. I'll give you the yeah. floor. Yeah, thank you. Shout out my gyms, Steel MMA for Muay Thai. I'm so grateful for them. Oh my gosh. And then Victory MMA with Lions Fight Team, Coach Eric Del Fierro. Really appreciate him taking me under his wing and the entire team just taking me in. Dominic, really appreciate him. Um, Grasshopper, dispensary here in San Diego. Shout out to them, the family that owns it. I'm close with. I coach their son in wrestling and I just love those people. Really a beautiful community there. And give everybody your, your Instagram, kind of your primary social media page. Yeah. So my Instagram is at Victoria Vortex. And my Twitter that I do not operate, well, I do, but I don't use it because Twitter is terrifying. <laughs> it's at Victoria underscore Vortex. If that ever changes, then I'll be there. <laughs> I just, for me, I just push, like if I post on Instagram, I'm pushing it to Facebook and Twitter just because just you kind of have to if you have, a, you know, if you're doing what we do. And, uh, but I'm never on there. If people are asking questions, I'm never in there answering anything. So, yes. So, same here. Same. So I, I do have one last question for you, though. Tell us how you got the nickname Vortex. Oh, this is embarrassing. Because I know that it's not because of (laughs) what you did on the mat, which I thought you would think that it was what you were doing on the mat. But go ahead and tell the story. Right. It's uh, I'll tell the story and then I'll explain how it encompasses everything. Um, One day I was at the Olympic Training Center and we had just arrived on the shuttle bus from Colorado Springs Airport and just gotten our keys at the front desk. And I had two friends with me, Amanda Hendy and Julia Salata. We dispersed to our rooms, three separate rooms. They then came to get me to go to lunch about four and a half minutes later and they opened the door and it was like a complete explosion of everything, which I didn't even have a conscious awareness that this was not normal. I mean, I did, but I also, I was looking for something. I think I probably was looking for my key that I immediately lost and uh, like bags were overturned. The refrigerator door was open. A lamp was knocked over and Amanda was just looking at everything and she's like, you're like a vortex. (laughs) So from that point, but it encompasses a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, you know, when I saw the IG at first and I started following you, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like, what an incredible name for a wrestler. She must be crazy on the mat. Vortex. Yeah. This is no, a just great crazy. nickname. <laughs> <laughs> nope. She made, her room was messy. <laughs> yeah. But it is my style of wrestling. Yeah. People also will say I'm that. I'm sure like, that it worked in. To the Vortex. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Thank you very much. I don't want you to hang up. We're going to come around. I'm going to come all around right. and take a couple of pictures with you in front of the screen. Okay. So okay. hang on. But thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate yeah. it. We're going to launch this probably next week, Thursday, Friday of next week. Uh, we'll tag you, let you know when it's coming out. But again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Right. Thanks, thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram too, at MyNeutralZone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ Box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ Box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. 
visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at thebjjbox. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or geese with code JJD. All right. Very cool. What'd you think, Bo? Uh, he's super interesting. She's very, very she smart. Got you on those psychedelics, didn't she? Not only she psychedelics, but, but the, the, uh, the whole spiritual thing. Yeah. We could have gone a little deeper with that. I had other questions, but I didn't want to oh keep it for, forever. I, I'm certainly, uh, uh, I would be interested in, in getting on another podcast. We, we and can go along she was, I, yeah. I've heard her talk about, um, like Super kind of cool. the books that she's read and gurus and, and spirituality. Um, you know, uh, I'm pretty the, sure the, she would know yeah. Dispenza. She would yeah. know about that. Dr. Joe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a, a lot more that we could talk about. I, I was surprised that it went to the psychedelics. I, it's not a question that I had, but it's, uh, it's same thing. Remember when Rashad Evans was on, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we yeah, got into yeah. that. I was just like, he, he, he got a little nervous about talking about it. I was like, no, go ahead. You can talk about it's, whatever it's you want. It's just inevitable that that, that, pursuit of spirituality and, yeah. and understanding of consciousness and reality leads yeah. to that. There's a Netflix show. I started to watch it the other, you know, it's, I, I added it to my, like to my, uh, you know, wish list or watch list. Yeah. Um, I watched the beginning of it and it was, um, they were talking about people that were now in this day and age, like, uh, uh, going to doctor's offices and, Basically, I don't want to say human trials. What's the right word? Like they're letting they're being observed oh, while clin- they take LSD. Cl- clinical trials, like clinical, yeah, yeah. like clinical, clinical testing, right? Yeah, so they're taking yeah. like LSD, and then mm-hmm. they, you know, yep, the, yep. they're they're recording their reactions, you know, pre and post. And sure. um, so now I'm even. I I had saved it, and now I'm even more intrigued. Intrigued, and, I, and I'm definitely going to be on my uh, <laughs> on my watch list this weekend. That's how it starts. It pulls you but, in. <laughs> <laughs> but she's very cool, very interesting. I, I, you cool. know, again, I'm very surprised that it went down. I, I, I just wasn't even something that was on my radar. I hadn't heard of uh, heard her talk about that before, but it was she, very interesting. No, no, and even even her background, her whole her whole career in fighting. I'd love is, to sit her in is, front of Rogan. <laughs> but. Just rogue she'd player on the, on the podcast. Really she'd cool be amazing. In the studio, except you yeah. might have to get a little taller chair. But <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <At> Victoria. <laughs> no, she knows. She knows. We'll give her the letter. Sit on the box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, yeah. for for uh, watching and listening. Yes. And don't please forget enjoy our display. Don't. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> please enjoy our display. Don't right forget there. to uh, comment, like. And subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. Obviously on YouTube, you can click the little bell, and you will uh, you'll get a, a an alert or an email or even you know alert to your phone um, when we launch our new episodes. Okay, so check us out at Jujitsu Dummies on Instagram uh, for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Um, I am my personal IG is Uncle Milty BJJ Bo at Bad Works B A D W E R K S. Okay. 
and Miguel. I'm not. I don't remember his because it's so weird. At JJD <laughs> underscore DJJ69. That's it. Thanks, little Miguel. <laughs> He's really tiny, very small. He's down the there. He's down there. He's on vacation. He's down there. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. Peace, love, and jujitsu. Yes. Yes.